the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. There was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up. Take your mat and walk. Once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. I open this day with uh, an apology. Some of you observed last week that I was a little short at times. And I, uh, without making you all feel uncomfortable, I want to say thank you for your compassion and for reaching out to me this week and checking up on me, making sure I was okay. I was having a bad day last Sunday, that's all I can say. You haven't had any bad days recently, have you? I know the feeling. One of the things that was captivating me last week, holding me captive, you might say, was the fact that um, everything about General Convention has been turned upside down and inside out. I'm part of a committee that reviews all of the resolutions. We have about 250 in front of us right now in preparation for General Convention. And to get word that suddenly General Convention had moved from 10 days down to four days, meant that all of our work now was in question. And where do we go from here is the operative word. And of course, everyone is upset because everyone is thinking the same thing. Whose ox is going to be gored, right? Who gets to go? Who gets to cancel their flight reservations? Who has to change them and pay the extra fee? And of course, for anyone who's authored a piece of legislation, it's like everyone else whose resolutions are going to get heard, and whose resolutions are going to lay on the floor, and whose resolutions, at best, will be delayed. It's not an easy question to answer. But interestingly enough, it gets to the heart of what is going on in today's gospel. And part of understanding what's going on in today's gospel is to address what's missing in today's gospel. Our translators, based on the most recent scholarship, actually drop a verse 
from this story. And it's a verse that goes something like this. There was an angel who would come and stir the waters on a regular basis so that those who were there could make their way into the waters and be healed. And that's what they were waiting for, right? We hear that in the lame man's complaint that he can't make it in time. And that's the whole point. The whole point is the pool of Bethsatha is like the world. It is a place that is familiar to us. It is a place filled with competition. And it is always a rat race. And what's more, the person who added that verse, probably later after John was written, was thinking along those lines and said it's also a spiritual competition. And you have to get there in time or you will not be healed. That sense of desperation that that creates in me, I don't know about you, is palpable, and it's the same sort of thing we see going on in the world right now as, you know, the markets fall and inflation goes up and we all suffer from sticker shock at the pump and the phone is ringing more for more assistance in my office and people are feeling anxious again as the virus rates go up. We could just go on with the list, right? The war in Ukraine, the justifications for that, which are all about competition. It's all about my favorite topic, the zero-sum game, which defines our world in so many ways. Our mistake, our mistake is that then we take that understanding of the world and we believe God plays by the same rules. radical message of our readings today is, in fact, that is fundamentally not true. And to step into God's world is to step out of the world of competition and the rat race and into a world of grace that is so abundant it completely blows our imaginations. That's kind of what happens for Paul today in the reading from Acts. I don't know if you caught it, but Paul has a dream, and a man from Macedonia is calling him to come on over. He gets to Macedonia, and he doesn't meet a man. He meets a woman. You can laugh at that if you like. I find it hysterically funny, but also very fitting, because if you remember the story of Paul's conversion, his conversion is about encountering a God who was completely opposite of what he expected. You remember, Paul was the one who was out persecuting the early church. And on the road to Damascus, God in Christ knocks him down, renders him blind, and suddenly Paul realizes he's been fighting with God the whole time. His life is forever changed. I have to think that the reason that Paul was so open to encountering Lydia was because of the experience on the road to Damascus, not despite it. As a matter of fact, I don't think Paul would have had any time for Lydia before the road to Damascus experience. 
And Lydia herself is unexpected. She is a wealthy merchant. That's all that business about trading in purple cloth. And yet she is someone who is faithful in her own way. She is what was known at the time as a God-fearer. She's probably a Gentile. She is at the periphery of the synagogue community, and she's showing up there for prayers on the Sabbath, and something clicks for her when Paul begins to disclose the gospel, and she is so moved by that experience, she and her household are baptized, and then she throws wide open her doors to them. She says, come in, stay with me, offering hospitality. This is a pattern in the early church, incidentally, that many wealthy women Widows sometimes, but freed women were opening up their homes to Christian community, and they were offering the first houses of worship to the way of Jesus. And it is a world that was not expected at the time because they were living in a very patriarchal society. The Roman world was centered on the paterfamilias, and the men ruled the roost, and suddenly there was this new tradition where women were often taking leadership and were being hospitable to Christian community and were making Christian life possible. That was part of the radical unfolding of the gospel for them. The world they thought they knew was not the world they were receiving from their God. Likewise, we have this very counter-example in the reading today from Revelation. The city of God, the new Jerusalem, is revealed. And it is completely unlike any city in the whole of the ancient world. Now, in the ancient world, you have to remember that most cities were pretty awful places. They stank. They were often filled with disease. People were crowded in tightly together. Not everybody got along, and there was a lot happening. It was much nicer to live in something out in the countryside at the time. There were exceptions. You know, the Romans had brought in some sanitation and other things like that, at least in ways that we would regard. But if you want to think about the city as a nice place like we think about it today, you have to remember all of the infrastructure that's required to make that possible. If you've ever met a New Yorker, you know what happens when things go wrong. People get upset real fast. I have an old joke about that, by the way. You, you remember the, the joke I used to tell about the difference between New York and San Francisco, right? In New York, the primordial fear is that the city stops working. If people's trash isn't hauled, people are upset real fast. The city has to work. You have to be moving in the right direction if you're getting on the subway. If you're moving in the wrong direction, people will tell you. People will tell you. We talk about New York minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. San Francisco, on the other hand, eh, the whole place could be shaken by an earthquake to rubble, and everybody would be fine just as long as no one is telling them what to do. (laughs) Key difference. 
But in the city of God, in the book of Revelation today, we have a city that is also missing something critically important. In Jerusalem, everything was based and centered around the temple. The temple was the center of everything. And in this new city, the center is no longer the temple. It is God. God in Christ. And the light that is there is available to everyone. In a city with a center, everyone is in competition to get to the center and to be on top. But that is not so in the New Jerusalem. And more than that, we have that beautiful image of the tree that spans the waters of the living God and is giving forth leaves of healing for everyone who is there. It is the radical counterpoint to the world in which Jesus is moving in today's gospel. He shows up in Jerusalem. He's there for a festival. And he encounters spiritual competition at the pool of Bethsabda. More than that, there are all kinds of hints being dropped in this passage, and if you read on further, you'll discover how much trouble Jesus is in because he's healing on his Sabbath. And More than that, he's asking the lame man he heals to pick up his mat and walk, which is considered work in his world, which is totally opposed to the Sabbath rules of the authorities at the time. So there are two spiritual competitions going on. There's the one that's projected onto God, about getting into the pool when the waters are stirred up. And then there's the one that the authorities are running, and that is you have to play by the rules, or else God's love will not be accessible to you. Now, how many of you believe in a world like that? Let me ask the question a different way. How many of you behave that you live in a world like that? Come on, be honest, right? Thank you. <laughs> Just clearing the deck a little bit today. We all behave as though if we behave the right way, God will love us. That Jesus shows up in today's gospel and also in the story of our lives to suggest we have that precisely backwards. God's love and healing grace are always offered to us. And it is that love and healing grace which makes us righteous. We don't earn it. There's nothing we can do to justify it. Rather, we are invited to embrace it and then turn our lives over to the living God who offers healing everywhere we look if we will have eyes to see it and ears to hear it hearts to embrace it. This is the hard work of faith. Not like the hard work that the world gives us. Perform or die. No. This is where God gives us everything we need. And our job is not to perform, but rather, as Jerry pointed out so beautifully last week, to offer thanks to offer gratitude, to build our lives 
there. Lives worthy of that heavenly city. Lives that are filled to overflowing with God's grace and God's love. Lives where our eyes are open to the goodness in the world about us. The presence of Christ in our midst. Always asking us, do you want to be made well? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.